listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardian Special Edition. Hi, this is Ben from Retro Guardians, and I'm sitting here next to the legendary Al Milgram, editor, writer, artist, and jack of all trades. And I just thought I'd get Al to talk a little bit about the late '70s, early '80s at Marvel. Al? Well, hi Ben. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, you know, I, I, they were very chaotic times. Uh, I got into the business in 1972, and uh, ended up getting an editorial position first at DC Comics. Sorry, folks, I'm losing my voice. Uh, which I did for almost precisely one year. They, they were expanding, and then suddenly they were contracting, and uh, they let go 40% of their uh, staff, and, you know, last in, first out kind of situation. Um, but then Jim Shooter uh, called me up and said, uh, Al, we might have something for you over here. I thought he meant freelance, which I had been doing up till that point. Uh, for for both companies, but uh, in fact, Jim Shooter offered me uh, an editorial position because he was trying to put together an editorial staff, and uh, because the Marvel was, it was chaos. It was total chaos. DC was very structured and very cor- you know corporate and you know like a real business, um, and Marvel was just a nut house, and of course you know the tradition was. Uh, when Marvel started to take off and and suddenly improve their sales in the uh, in the early 60s, Stan Lee was the editor in chief as well as the head writer, who did a great great uh, majority of the books they were doing. He was writing them. Uh, his brother Larry Lieber was also writing and doing a little drawing. Um, he had a couple other staff, you know, write, well writers. I don't. They were freelancers, but uh, uh, you know. From that tradition of Stan Lee doing like everything, and then Roy Thomas followed in his footsteps, and he was the editor in chief and also writing a few books. And um, it was really they were doing so many new titles, and they were coming out with more and more stuff that it was virtually impossible for one man to be able to handle that kind of workload. Uh, but because that's the way that it had been done at Marvel, you know, nobody thought to change it. And with Jim Shooter, uh, there was a there was like a revolving door of editors. Uh, you know, after Roy, there was uh, Len Wein and Marv Wolfman and Jerry Conway, of course, uh, and uh, Archie. Uh, Archie Goodwin. Thank you. And um, and finally, the wheel of fortune landed on Shooter. And Jim said he'd been a writer from the age of 13, if you can believe it. Which I, I forgot to ask him about. It's something I forgot Well, to you ask can him. go back. But in the meantime, you know... A phenomenal ability, uh, for, especially for a kid that age. But he learned with the DC method, and the DC method was they had a whole stable of editors, and each one was responsible for his particular 
number of titles, and it was much better organized. So he set about trying to, and I, you know, trying to hire an editorial staff. And um, I think there was some resistance from the higher ups because they said, "Well, why was why should we have to have six or seven editors when one man's been doing the job all these years?" And Jim said, and <laughs> rightfully so, he said, "How much are you paying in?" late fees at the engravers how much are being charged overtime at the printers because the books are arriving late how many times have we had to do reprints because the latest issue of whatever title is is not ready in time because nobody's you know riding herd on these guys and and also after they became editors-in-chief many of the people i just mentioned ended up writing and editing their own titles so it was like, you know, trying to discipline yourself. There's a reason why editors exist. Um, you know, we may be problematic, but we can be very helpful. So <clears throat> Jim had hired several people. I, I don't know when exactly Salakrup, uh came in uh, to the mix. But Jim, uh, once, you know, DC gave me my walking papers, uh, Jim called up and said he had something. I came over. He said, I thought he was talking freelance, but no, he meant an editorial position. And uh, I had only taken the editorial job. It did not pay well. It didn't pay as well as freelancing in those days. And I had taken it to just kind of learn, you know, what life was like on the other side of that desk. And, uh, you know, the first thing I learned is you're supposed to be in the office at nine in the morning. Yeah, that was tough. I'm a night person. So anyway, uh, but he hired me. And then after a couple of uh, months on the job, he said, how about Larry Hama? He was one of my co-editors at DC. You think he'd be interested? I said, I, I can call him and ask him. You could call him and ask him, you know. He said, well, you know him better. You call him. So I called Larry, and you know, Jim said, take him out to lunch. I took him out to lunch, and after a very nice lunch, I said, Larry, the reason I invited you to lunch is uh, Shooter's looking to expand the editorial staff. And uh, he's, you know, he wondered if you might be interested. He says... Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. I'd like to do that. <laughs> and uh, and then we actually had a little contretemps because by the time they hired Larry, they decided that the base salary for editors was higher than when I was getting paid. So I went into Jim and I said, Jim, what, what the hell, man? He said, well, I know, but, you know, since you joined, you know, Larry, you know, Larry's at a higher level that, you know, in the current strata. I said... He said, don't worry, we'll, you know, you'll leapfrog over him when you have your first review. And I said, yeah, but in, in the meantime, that's, that'll be a year later. He'll be earning more than I am for, a, for at least a whole year. And then, you know, and then when I get the raise, probably when he follows three months later, he'll get jumped over me again. I said, I don't like it. I'll go back to freelancing. Jim very kindly and correct. He said, well, I'll see what I can do. And he convinced the, you know, the powers that be that I deserve to make at least as much as Larry did at the time. Not that I was better, but just I hired on earlier. So anyway, and then he hired uh, Louise Simonson, who had been an editor at Warren Publications. And uh, Wheezy. Wheezy. Wheezy by nickname, yes. yes. And uh, 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 very talented, very sweet, very cute young woman. And uh, now all of those things, but an older woman. And anyway... So slowly but surely, you put together this editorial staff, and 
our first order of business was to get all the books on schedule so they didn't have all those late charges and overtime fees and what have you. And also they didn't have to slide in reprints every three months for something. And uh, I don't know how much Jim talked about this. And, you know, there were new guys coming into the business all the time at that period also. I started in 72. I was, a, you know, I, I was 22 years old uh, in the business. And uh, I think when Marvel hired, when DC hired me, I was probably 27 and 28 when I went over to Marvel. But, um, you, know, the, the th- you know, there was a huge inundation of talent um, you in, remember yeah. yeah, and I mean, the industry had sort of been shrinking and selling less until Marvel started doing their superheroes, and then it started expanding again. So there was a whole bunch of kids out there, like me, who grew up loving comics and wanting to work in comics. Uh, you know, previous guys uh, from the 40s and 50s, they may have wanted to do a syndicated strip but couldn't get one. They may have wanted to write novels, but, you know... Not so easy. They may have wanted to be magazine illustrators, etc. This was, I think, the first generation of uh, cartoonists, writers and artists both, who really wanted to do comic books and, uh, and were thrilled when we got the jobs. So, you know, we had to herd all these newcomers. And Jim's idea was, let's do books that, I'm giving you credit here. You just walked by is what happened. Uh, you know, let's do, uh, you know, hire warm bodies, whether they be old timers who maybe haven't been in the business for a while or up and comers who haven't even started in the business. And we'll get them to do books that it, that have several of the characters in them, whether you know, let's say you'll do a, a Spider-Man, Captain America and the Human Torch. They'll all be in, they'll all be in an issue. And it'll be just, you know, a, a standalone story. Because Marvel at the time was famous for their continuity. And, we, and he said that way, if, the, if you get stuck in a pinch, it could be an issue of Captain America. It could be an issue of Spider-Man. It could be an issue of the Torch. Or it could be an issue of Team Up. You know, whatever. You, we could use it in several different options, places. My introduction to you is Spider-Man, is you being the editor on the Spider-Man at the time. Okay, sure. So that was my first time I ever saw your name. Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, and actually, Jim wanted me to be the uh, editor on all the Spider-Man titles. It was free at the time, correct? Yeah, uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Spidey Team-Up. But there was probably a reprint, Marvel Tales reprint of Spider-Man. at the time. And I think I said... I don't want to do all this, but I'd like the variety of doing one Spider-Man title and one Avengers title, one, whatever I was editing. I don't even remember at the time. But and he, you know, he didn't fight me on it. He says, "Okay, you know, and we, I'll do, have somebody else do the other Spider-Man title." So it was very congenial. I got along great with Jim. And by the way, slowly but surely, we started using up. He commissioned a ton of inventory issues that could be used, as I just uh, explained. And they, we used them all, I'm pretty sure. And he slotted them in wherever they were needed. And slowly, and, you know, but surely, with editors cracking the whip over the guys who were late and missing deadlines um, and being threatened with, hey, you're, con- you're, you're having this continuity story going on, 
How would you like a nice inventory issue shoved in the middle of that? Oh, no, no, no. Well, then get your damn work in on time. And, and eventually he got the whole thing so we were running very smoothly and efficiently and on time. And it just took a few years to point, uh, perfect. Well, sure. It still is. You know, you never get, it's never perfect, no matter how you try to perfect it. Uh, but in fact, uh, you know, it, it gave us a little more cushion so we could fine-tune the stuff and make it as good as we, we thought we could. Al, thank you very much for this. It's been a pleasure sitting here talking to you. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you allowed me to jabber on. And I hope uh, everyone listening at home has enjoyed me jabbering on as well, and hopefully I'll talk to you all soon shortly. Thank you very much. All right. Retro Guardian Special Edition.